Is it 2018 again? A lot of the financial factors at play this year are very evocative of four years ago. So much so, in fact, that Mitch DeWitt and Nate Condon thought about just reposting a 2018 market commentary episode of Gimme Some Truth titled, Should We Be Freaking Out Right Now? Instead, we thought it was a better idea to mix in some snippets of that episode with a fresh recording with Mitch, Nate, and Polly Price. They cover the similarities in the housing market, yield curve, and interest rates, and once again pose the question, should we be freaking out right now? It's time for some truth. Welcome back to Give Me Some Truth. We have a uh, an interesting crew here in the in the booth today. We have Mitch and Polly and Dan. Dan's not mic'd, so he'll be uh, just running the, the ones and the twos, as they say. Um, we're in the middle of a market... Uh, downturn uh that that uh, mitch literally started the beginning of this year yeah i mean it's pretty fair to say right and so um what what we were thinking about was the idea of perspective and um how it is very easy in times like this to uh pretty quickly lose perspective in terms of of you know kind of what what is normal in the market um you know the the idea of this time it's different. I mean, all of those things kind of kind of speak to the idea of perspective. And so Mitch and I were talking about this, and we actually went back into the uh, the archives of "Give Me Some Truth," uh, which I think Danny, give me a hand motion here. Our oldest uh, podcast, one uh, twenty wow, 14? 2016. 2017? 2017. 2017 is when it started. So in twenty eighteen, we did a podcast. Um, and it was titled, Mitch, help me out. It was titled, hold on, I have it here. Should, I, Should we be freaking out right now? Right. And so to, to help everybody remember where we were at in, in uh, 2018, the market uh, had a good start to the year and then went through some some pain toward the end of the year and actually finished the year down 6.24% off of, bear with me, macro trends. Dan will put this on in the... Um, final version of the podcast, the chart for everybody to be able to see. Um, but we did uh, a podcast at that time because the market had, uh, other than a negative less than 1% year, had been up for more or less eight years straight by that point, nine years straight. Uh, other than that one less than down, less than 1% down year. Um, and so we we, we kind of centered around the idea of of should people be freaking out? And obviously that's a uh, kind of a tongue-in-cheek uh, title, but it, we really wanted to speak to kind of what was happening at that time. So Mitch and I went back uh, yesterday and listened to that podcast, and it was very interesting, the parallels to what we have today. I think we were we were almost a little surprised at how many parallels yeah. there were. Right. Where you and I were listening to this thing, kind of shaking our heads, wow, like this is kind of the same. Oh, that's kind of the same. Now, now it's not exactly the same, right? There right. are some macro trends that are, that are very different here in 2022 compared to 2018, but some of the similarities are Fed rising in, or raising interest rates. That was one of the big ones. We talked about the housing market slowing down a little bit, which we're starting to, to see a little bit here. And then the other big one was yield curve, yield curve inverted yield curve. So those are some of the, the themes that we saw that, that were strikingly similar to where right. we are now in 2022. I mean, you could have taken some of those snippets and put them directly in this and it would have been seamless. Like it was like, verbatim what you probably are going to say today you know to some aspect at one point nate and i were actually like wait do we just like repost this yeah. <laughs> see if anyone notices right 
Right. So, so the idea today literally was we're, we're going to take some of the snippets from 2018. And, and if you want, this is still available on the website. If you want to go back and, and, uh, uh, listen to the podcast in 2018, you know, it's in its entirety. Uh, that was me, Clinton and, and Mitch and that one. Um, but we took some snippets and we're going to have Dan play these snippets while we discuss them, because, um, I think this really helps people to understand the idea of perspective. Um, because as Polly alluded to, I mean, we, we could, we could, almost have just kind of verbatim put that into today's podcast um, and it would be accurate. And so uh, to the, to the idea that history doesn't repeat itself, it rhymes, right? So the, so maybe it's not exactly the same as it was, but to Mitch's point, the macro trends are, are very similar. Dan, why don't you hit the first one? So this is Clint talking about uh, interest rates in 2018 uh, toward the end of 2018 uh, and what the fed was doing. Yeah. And then also you look at, okay, the Fed is raising interest rates. You know, commonly speaking, when interest rates go up and they go up rather quickly, that tends to slow the economy down. And, and there is some intention of that, of the Fed not to overheat the economy. Um, so the Fed's kind of turning the screws a little bit to do that. Mitch, thoughts That's, on that comment? My thoughts are that sounds, that sounds familiar. Right? Yeah. We, we've seen a lot of interest rates increasing. And then now the, the big talk and some of the, the buzzwords you see in the headlines are, are we going to see the Fed engineer a soft landing or a hard landing, right? And it's all related to Clint's comments that, that we just played there on raising interest rates, raising interest rates, right? Which then can cool an economy a little bit. The One of the differences I should also point out too, now compared to 2018 was the inflationary environment. So that's one of the biggest differences probably between the two podcasts, but there are, all, are a lot of similarities as we've discussed. So right now, inflation is one of the, the big things that we're also seeing in the news and also what the Fed is trying to to control to some extent because it's it's at, you know, 9%, I don't know what it is currently if you go right. over, you know, year over year here, but uh, 9% we'll call it, right? That's That's way higher than we've seen over the last decade plus at this point. So Yes, the Fed's raising interest rates, but some of the trickle-down effects are the same. But I think the reason is slightly different maybe than in 2018 compared to now in 2022. Yeah, and I think that this, I mean, obviously it's different. Um, but to the extent that that it's it's um, has similarities, I think is, is, is pretty, it's hard to avoid the fact that it has some pretty, pretty stark similarities. Well, and how it impacts portfolios too. Right. That Some of those things are going to be right. pretty dang similar, right? What do bonds do when interest rates go up? They react inversely. So things like that are are going to be very similar when it comes to portfolios and people's accounts. Yeah, and I think it, it has it, it, the the effect is beyond you know speaking to inflation specifically and kind of losing perspective. Um, I, I think that we can all understand examples of where inflation has affected our lives, um, even if we you know to to a direct level, right? Where we look at it and and you know the grocery store or the, you know, target or wherever we all go. Um, it's just, it, it has that multiplier effect on our lives and it's something we haven't seen in, in a long, long time. Um, and I think that that's, um, well, I mean, we were talking about it this morning. I mean, you know, probably you, you probably get sick of me hearing about it. I check the mortgage rates every morning. Um, that, that, that's a pretty stark change to where we were at the beginning of the year. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah. you know, just, just, just seeing it. And obviously that makes it more expensive for people to buy homes. Um, and I think that that's it. the hard part about understanding 
how to react to a market like this is not really understanding where it's potentially going to go um, and, and wanting to know what tomorrow is going to bring today, which we obviously never know. Um, and I think that that's, that's speaks to the perspective aspect of it. And in, in the fact that we had this conversation in 2018, the world didn't end, the world didn't crack in half. Um, but yet here we are in 2022 with very similar ideas and it's having similar reactions. Yeah. And if we see, or if we were to have a, a mortgage lender in here, for example, or even a real estate agent, for example, as a guest, they would definitely be able to relate to how the housing market has cooled as a byproduct of rates going up. I mean, you, you said 7% is what you saw for UW Credit Union today? This morning, and I'm not calling them out. I mean, they, you know, other credit unions in the area are, are very, are in the same same boat. But yeah, I mean, we're, uh, you know, UW this morning was at seven. I mean, that that's, I, I and, and, you know, January of this year, the 30-year fixed was at about three. Yeah. Yeah. Well, earlier this year, I, I bought a home. Didn't Granted, I did an adjustable rate mortgage, but even that alone, I was locked in at four. Like how crazy is that? You for a seven year. And yeah. And, I mean, and you can't get that now. Right. Surely. And I've only been in the house for how long have I been in the house? Two months? Isn't crazy? Three months? Two months? Something like that. That's, that just speaks to how quickly some of these things can accelerate and how quickly things can evolve. Right. right. Especially when the Fed is, they're continuing to increase rates and and they've they've indicated no reason to slow down in its current state so so Polly, you're newer to this industry so i'm curious as to your opinion on this um because it, for somebody that's newer to the industry and not that you didn't pay attention to finance and things like that prior to to this world but when you when you specifically see the market do what it's done this year i mean what what are the emotions that you have what what does it what does it mean to you when you see something like this happen I think I mean, working here too is helpful in the sense that like that is our job in this firm is to be calmer in this type of environment. So I pay attention to it obviously a lot more now than I would have two years ago. Sure. Um, so, but if I had paid attention to it two years ago and not have been working at this firm, I'm, I surely would have been more stressed is the word concerned. Um, just not as, calm or understand as much that like this is you know what can happen and they're you know that's okay um yeah i i look at it sometimes like from an outsider's perspective in that sense of like that's what the value that our firm brings right like if someone who two years ago you know knew a lot a lot less about you know the financial markets than i do now it would have been very beneficial for someone like me to yeah. have, you know, a team like this. Um, that's what I, you know, this is a great place to be for helping explain what's going on right now. So interestingly enough, at lunch last week, I want to say it was, it was in one of those days where the markets were all red, everything was was red, didn't matter which market you were looking at. And at lunch, I had a conversation with somebody and they said, our our people freaking out right now. And they asked me that question directly and said, you know, there's a couple calls that you, you might get in these types of down days or down weeks or down months, or in this case, a down year, mm-hmm. right? There's always going to be a handful of calls. And, and then I said, you know, here's how I handle the call. And you just kind of talk them through it, give them a reminder, give them some perspective, some context. And, and then that gentleman who I was having lunch with simply responded, well, you did your job today. 
And we do a lot of things, obviously, as part of our jobs, whether it's actually building a portfolio, doing the financial planning, you know, sending people their money when they need it in retirement, contributing it when they're building up towards retirement, right? Some of those sorts of things. But it was one of those realizations to me in that moment at lunch that my role that day was taking that phone call and speaking a little bit of truth, I'll say, and providing some context and perspective into, yes, things might be volatile. Yes, it might be a crazy market, but I still believe things are going to be okay. And that's why I believe, you know, you on the other end of the, the phone in that, that situation should also be okay. Right. Yeah. And I, I think it's, it's, it's very easy uh, when things get squirrely like they are now, it's very easy for, for us to lose context of what this means. Right. So we saw a lot of the headlines in, in a kind of drive it back to 2018 from, from the conversation that we were having earlier, you know, we, we had a lot of similar calls and it was understandable because as, as I said before, I mean, other than a couple little blip years within there, it was more or less nine straight years of up markets up to that point from 2009, you know, to, to 2018. Um, and so it was natural. I mean, people kind of got, got, you know, almost lulled into a false sense of this is normal, i.e. nine straight years of up markets. And so we, we had people that were, were concerned at that point. And then, Mitch, what happened in 2019? Well, the beginning of the pandemic. Is that what you're referring to? No, no, the, the market in 2019. Sorry. I, I mean, the, oh, well, <laughs> we had a few good years. Right. We had a few right. good years. Um, right. Even with the, uh, uh, I guess the U.S. wasn't really impacted um, from a COVID perspective more until 2020. But uh, yeah, we, we had some, some <laughs> continued bull, right. I will say, for, for a while. And, right. uh, I was going to say this till, till later in the podcast, but now might be a good time, actually. I, w- I was curious. I checked the the date of when this 2018 podcast that we're, we're referencing over and over, that was posted on 11-17, looks like, of 2018. And I checked out what the S&P closed the day before that podcast was launched. <laughs> Any guesses on what the S&P closed at? And then, and then also as, as of this recording right now, S and P 500, 3669, we'll call it. And keep in mind, we're down this year, right? We're in correction territory. I'll call it 3669, 3670 currently. So 3,600 is what it is more or less. 3,600 is, is what it is at the time of the recording a shade above that. Yep. Right. And, and you're saying, where was it? Where was it four years ago? when the market closed before this podcast was, was launched back in 2018. So where uh, was it back then? I'm going to say November 2018. it was, um, 2700, 2800. Polly, what are you going to guess? Mm, 25. Okay. Nate's pretty close. Or should I refer to you as the moderator? I know yeah, in the was, last I one. Know, that was one of the re, that was, was one of the jokes in the Very last podcast. Very strictly enforcing the not, moderator, so, not Mr. Role. Moderator. The moderator, <laughs> or not even the moderator, just moderator was was pretty dang close. So I've got twenty seven fifty five here. So you actually pretty much nailed it, moderator. And and Polly, you're you're a little more bearish maybe, but sure. in either case, <laughs> in either case, twenty five hundred, twenty six hundred, twenty seven, twenty right. In either case, here we are four years later. And the headlines are freaking out. Some people are freaking out, right? There's, there's a little bit less sentiment going forward, I think. But we're still up 
what rough math 30 percent since then sure just and using the, the s&p as, as the benchmark right index. let me let me make one comment on that the, the, the podcast was recorded at that time in november of 18 why because the market had just gotten hammered for a period of time up to that point so it, we were recording it because quote the sky was starting to fall if you will and so even even in that environment you know to your point to where we're at now i mean it, it people would have guessed at that time you said, where will we be in four years? I, I doubt very many people would have said we'd be at 3,600. Especially if we had the crystal ball and said, and oh, by the way, we're going to shut down the global yeah, economy we're gonna have during, a pandemic. Right. during COVID and the right. global pandemic. Right. And then, you know, there's going to be an additional, right. however, percent down. We saw that, you know, 40% crash. Right. I, mean, I don't know what it actually was, but. And I um, think the message that we want people to, to, to walk away with today is, is just the, the idea that, um, normal within the markets is is uh defined as at least for me it's defined as a certain point within the ever uh, uh following cyclical nature of the market in other words i think people think about normal as a point in time right and i think that that's wrong it's it's normal in the market is only defined or described by where it's at within its cycle, meaning it's ever moving. It's not. So the idea that, that something is going to stay normal, I think the problem with that phrase is that it gives the, the idea of, of consistency, right? Or, or a, a period of, okay, normal means that it's going to be uh, uh, predictable, right? For a period of time. That's not how this works, right? The market is forever in a, you know, uh, running up, topping out, falling back down, bottoming, rising back up, topping out. It's always, it's never not on that roller coaster. And so this idea that there'll be a period of time when it's flat and that will be the normal time, I think is a very, it's a very dangerous uh, thought for people to have when they think about the market. Cause I think it just, it seeds this idea that at some point we're going to get into the stretch where we can just kind of bank on the fact that it's going to give us nice consistent returns for X number of years. That's just not how this works. Similarly, what we're not saying by, by comparing back to where the S and P 500 was in November of 18 compared to now, I'm also not saying that, Oh, well, you know, just cause we're up 30 plus percentage, we'll call it in that period of time. I'm also not saying, well, you know, over the next four years, we'll be up another 30%. We right. could be down right. more. Right. I mean, look what happened between 99 and 2008 or, you know, 98, 99, 2008, 2009. We're not then. I mean, right. so, so we're not necessarily saying, yeah, the next four years that we're just going to see this, this thing rebound and recover. And we're going to be up another 30%. That would be great. I mean, clients portfolios would be great. Our personal portfolios would be great, but that's also not what we're trying to do by going through this exercise as well to the point of, of a roller coaster, right? It can, and will be a roller coaster to some extent. That's how the stock market generally works. Right. Polly, speak to a little bit of the idea of how um, the kind of the, 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 you know, erratic behavior of a market, how that ties to somebody's t overall time frame within their investments, right? In other words, if somebody has a 15 or 20 or 25 year time frame, I mean, in a way, does it really matter what's happening today or tomorrow or next week in the market? I mean, kind of speak a little bit to how that 
how at least you see it, right? Because that's your yeah. time frame, right? I mean, you're not five years away from retirement, sure. right? You've got a little ways to go. And so, I mean, what is it, you know, how do, how, do, how do you see it when it comes to how time frame plays into what's happening in any given day in the market? I mean, it's one of the biggest aspects of investing, right? It's one right. of the most important things is like time in the market, not timing the market, you have time, like you have time, even if I had a, you know, five year time horizon, I'm not taking all my money out in five years. That's not the goal, right? right? You're like, you're keeping your money in to keep it invested for that reason. It's, I mean, you, you need to get comfortable with the discomfort of the ups and downs because it's just going to happen. And right. I think it's a great, that's a great phrase. You need to be comfortable with the discomfort. I like Thanks. that. I like it. I like that a lot. <laughs> well, I want to, harken back to your question before too because you were asking like you know how this environment or you know working here is affected like how I now see the markets and selfishly it's it's a really great learning opportunity too right sure. for me I you know if I had started here you know in 2017 or whenever and it had just been you know the middle of you know years of a bull run great that would have been great but there's so much more to learn about this industry that you can't really learn hands-on in that type of environment. Whereas now, you know, we're talking about inverted yield curves and all that fun stuff, which is, you know, checking mortgage rates every morning. Like that's interesting, you know, because of what it's implicating. Right. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm an eternal optimist, I like to think. Um, so it's easy for me to look at this type of situation and see something beneficial out of it, right? So I see a learning opportunity, but I think that's also beneficial for clients or whoever else to take this as a learning opportunity to, sure. you know, when something like this happens, don't just freak out, become curious about it, you know, do some learning on your own, listen to our podcast, call your advisor, you know, get some ad professional advice. Don't just listen to, whatever headline you see pop up first on like your Twitter feed, you know? So I don't know. I, yeah, I, everything you have to take in strides, but um, it's beneficial in, in some ways. And you got to look at that side of it to kind of break free of the noise. Dan, I got a question here. Do we have inverted yield curve? What what is clip? Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Snippet. Snippet. Mm -hmm. Snippet. Sure. Do we have Do we have that? Polly talked about some inverted yields yeah. curve there. Let's Let's complement that. What do we got? So this was again Clint from uh, what 2018. 2018. Uh, we're also seeing that as a result of those higher interest rates, there's something called the inverted yield curve. Whereas if the short term rates become higher than the long term rates, which hasn't happened yet, but it's close. If that does happen, that's usually a signal for a recession. So those are are concerning things. Yeah, and, and, and just very quickly, because we hear this phrase all the time in the media, and, and not to get too elementary, but I want, sure, I want to make sure people understand what we're talking about here. The yield curve is simply put the, a, a measure of what a bond, or you know, kind of in generalities, what, what bonds are paying, whether it's a one-year bond, a five-year bond, a 10-year bond, a 30-year bond, whatever it might be, right? One, two, whatever it might be. Uh, the kind of the, the the arc of what they're paying by way of interest rate. And you would assume that that a shorter term bond, a one year bond, like a one year CD, for example, is going to pay a lower interest rate than a 
two-year bond or a 10-year bond or a 30-year bond because you as a buyer are taking more risk in that you're having to hold it for a longer period of time. Therefore, I should get a higher interest rate for taking that risk. It's the same reason why 30-year mortgages have a higher interest rate typically than a 15-year mortgage because you know it's it's a longer period of time that you're obligated. Therefore, you know there's a higher interest rate associated with it. An inverted yield curve is happens when our shorter duration bonds are paying a higher interest rate than our longer duration bonds. And that's what Clint was talking about in 2018. And I don't think we got there in 2018. We came very close, but I don't think we actually got inverted. We have now been inverted for what feels like months. Uh, I can't remember exactly when we went inverted. I thought it was like, it was like right before. I feel like it was right before I took the 65. I was going to say, <laughs> that, was, that was like July 4, right? Yeah, right? Yeah, I thought it was like, or I, was, I thought it was like late was like, spring, so early topical. summer. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cause uh, that's kind of what I was thinking about of, of when, when we went inverted. Um, and it's, it's generally considered a negative sign. It's generally considered a pretty good indicator that we're going to head into recession. Um, and so I just, I wanted to kind of explain that so people just understand what we're talking about when we say inverted yield curve, cause that's a phrase that just gets thrown around all the time in the media. As a retired engineer, I cannot believe retired that you, engineer. <laughs> I cannot believe that you talked about the yield curve without a mention of X axis or Y axis as you were describing that to me, I'm just like, well, just describe the axis, the axes, you know? X sure. axis, Y axis, boom. But you did a very nice job. Thanks, buddy. Saying. I appreciate that. Yeah, 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 that's solid. It's the balance in my brain of objective and subjective at the same time. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we're we're there now, right? To your point. I mean, for, you look at a two year yeah. treasury note, and it's it's paying. What do, what do we got? Does anybody have four that number? Is it paying? I think it's four and a quarter, or or pretty darn close to that number. Um, and that's going to be uh, as you're looking that up. That's that's a a pretty short. Almost four, three. short duration, safe yep. investment, right? That's yep. actually paying some yield right now. And I think that's a great point. So right now we're just a shade under 4.3% on the two-year treasury, meaning that the two-year uh, U.S. government treasury bond is paying, you know, again, as of, you know, this second, you know, 4.297. Uh, and the 10-year, right, the 10-year treasury is paying... So you have a, and that's considered a a heavily inverted yield curve when you have 35 basis points of difference between the two year and the 10 year. That's a very, a very strong inverted yield curve. And Paul, you talked about this on on the Series 65 exam that you took in July and, and Passed with flying colors. Let's, let's all be, you know, cognizant of that. Um, Polly said, "Somebody hold my calculator while I dominate this exam." Um, so they talk. No, about, I needed that calculator. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about the inverted yield curve in your exam, right? Because it, it's an important part about what we do in the industry. But speak more generally in terms of kind of how the media tends to kind of run with these hot button flavor of the day type ideas and almost does so in a, I don't want to say almost does so in a scary way because these are things that are, they, they, they do cause trepidation, but I think it's easy to take some of these things that are maybe not quite known as well as they should be or understood as well as they should be in the public. And it's, it's pretty easy to write a headline that says, uh, be scared without literally saying be scared how you should like 
just not how the, listen to that? Well, noise? yeah, I mean, just just kind of the noise that comes out of you know, uh, you know, our twenty four hour media world, right? Because it's twenty four hour. I mean, when you have that constant stream of that information, yeah, it's gonna you know within a day the market could do a million different things, and you're gonna see all those different points reported on. Um, but at the end of the day, you're not in the market for one day, right? You're right. in the market long-term, like we just talked about. Hopefully that's the goal. Um, so you need to, you know, do your research and understand that it's not the end of the world if things are super volatile one day because you're not yep. pulling out all your money, hopefully, that one day. I want to go back to something you mentioned earlier because I, I thought that was a great point too. You said, you know, even if somebody had a five-year time frame, right? It doesn't mean likely does right. not mean that you're pulling every penny of your money right. on that, you know, you know, fifty year in one day, right? And so I think that time frame for people um, when we talk about perspective in, a, in an environment like this is is very important to understand to kind of go back to. And you've seen us do this in meetings. You know, you've mm -hmm. shadowed some of our meetings um, with clients. Um, you know, what do we, we go back to your time frame, right? We go back to your risk tolerance. We go back to the fact that, to your point, you know, whenever X is on that day, you don't need every penny of your money. You might start taking some of your money at that time, but you don't need every penny of your money to be withdrawn on that day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you do a lot for the firm by way of risk and our risk managing software. Um, I'm curious, do you feel like your personal risk tolerance has changed uh, from January one of twenty twenty two to where we're at today. Yes, it has. Of course, yeah. Interesting, and I didn't. I, I asked that not knowing the answer to that question. That's uh, that's very interesting. Okay. Yeah, I mean, just I mean, just understanding that, you know, not that it's that far in the future, but like having decades yet until yep. you know, my husband and I retire gives me more willingness to be riskier. I mean, with that said, when I did my risk lies, it came back relatively conservative, but um, I think it's just the the power of knowledge, right? Sure, it's just right. the power of knowing that. Makes it less scary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It, yep. It takes away, you know, it reveals what's behind the curtain a little bit and, you know, lets you know that there are ways to diversify and make sure that you're not, you know, setting yourself up for failure. So how does that change if and when, when uh, Bobby becomes a professional golfer? Does that change? <laughs> the changes, right? Because I mean, then like the millions of dollars that flow into the price household now are. No, we're not. Things. We're banking on our daughter becoming a professional <laughs> golfer. Bobby's got to love him, but I think you, that ship has sailed. Uh, it's, it's the realization of all of us, of all of us weekend, yeah. weekend warrior athletes that, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, the bread's not being buttered by uh, our, our tournament winnings. So, um, not financially anyway. Not there's financially, other, right. there's other, other benefits. Yeah, so. of course. Um, we're going to, we're, we're obviously not going to, um, stop talking about this topic because this is, this is just, this is what we do, Mitch, to your point earlier of, of, you know, when you had lunch with the person, you said you did your job that day. I mean, this is, this is, we generally consider this. I think people need to understand this. We as financial advisors fully understand that we earn our money 
in these markets, right? I mean, it's, it's not that we don't earn our money in up markets, but this is really when you can make a difference for people. And, 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 and in a lot of ways, it's, uh, it's being the psychologist and not necessarily being the, you know, finance major uh, that helps people. And I think that, that that's part of the most rewarding uh, aspect of this career, uh, even though it happens during some, some pretty scary times. Yeah. And I think we've, we've talked about this internally. I don't know if it's, it's been executed yet, but Alicia is very big on behavioral finance, which speaks to a lot of these types of topics. So a little foreshadow maybe of, of a a future topic here that is tangentially related here. Yep. So we will continue the content. Dan, Dan always keeps us in line on, on creating and executing on, on some of the ideas that we have. Right. Well, and I think, to, you know, to wrap it up, um, this goes without saying, but we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring, right? We, we, we do this every day for a living. We, we don't know what tomorrow is going to bring. We don't know what next month's going to bring. We don't know what next year's going to bring. I mentioned to, to uh, Mitch this morning, I thought it was pretty silly that they, uh, a very, very large uh, mutual fund company, a very well-respected investment company, put out their 10-year estimate as to what they think that equities are going to do over the next 10 years on average. Uh, th- that gets beyond the level of silly in my opinion that we're trying to like nail down what's going to happen in the next 10 years let alone you know we can't figure out what's going to happen next month so that that's a little silly to me so i think we just need to be careful when we read you know prognostications of what's going to happen we don't know what's going to happen but what we do know is as ugly as it may get uh you know there's never been a time where brighter days didn't shine after you know, the thunderstorm went over the house and we are here to provide that, that stability, even if it is just a, a reassuring phone call or, or message, uh, please reach out to us and, and understand that you're not bothersome to us by any means. If you reach out to us during these times and say, Hey, I'm freaked out. What, what should, what, what should I be doing? What should I be thinking? Help me to, to get past this, this thought in my head. Uh, you're not bothering any of us if if you have those thoughts and, and you want to talk it through. That's why we're here. And so, uh, you know, we'll close out by saying if you if you do have the time and you have the interest and you want to go back and, and look at that 2018 podcast, I think it would be uh, beneficial if for no other reason than just the idea that, hey, it it's not different this time. It never is different this time. It it might have different trends, but it's it's very similar in terms of how this all works. Uh, all of that said, we're here to talk you through it if, uh, if that's of benefit. So we appreciate you listening and we will be back with another episode of Give Me Some Truth in the near future. Walker Accountant Financial Advisors is a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Registration with the SEC does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The opinions expressed by the participants of this podcast are their own and do not reflect the opinions of Walker Accountant Financial Advisors. All statements and opinions expressed are based upon information considered reliable, although it should not be relied upon as such. Any statements or opinions are subject to change without notice. Information presented is for educational purposes only and does not intend to make an offer or solicitation for the sale or purchase of any specific securities, investments, 
or investment strategies. Investments involve risk and unless otherwise stated are not guaranteed. Information expressed does not take into account your specific situation or objectives and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for any individual. Listeners are encouraged to seek advice from a qualified tax, legal, or investment advisor to determine whether any information presented may be suitable for their specific situation. Past performance is not indicative of future performance. Thanks for listening, and for further information, please visit walknercondon.com.